Hey, thanks for listening to the Amlin in the Mix podcast. Here you will find all the latest in music technology, software and hardware, interviews and more. Also, don't forget to check out the Amlin in the Mix YouTube channel today. Now, let's get into the podcast. I used to think of my life as a trap star. I used to think of my life as a trap star. Record on the beat, put it on the Hey, and welcome to Emlyn in the Mix, Season 3, Episode 3. Hope you're doing amazing out there. What is this podcast about? Music technology, audio gear, music gear, you name it, we have it on the podcast. And today we're going to be looking at a very special little something here from Roland. If you're watching here on YouTube, you can see I have the Roland Splash Screen website up I don't know why I said splash screen, but we just have the website up here. And Roland's celebrating 50 years, can you believe it? And this, I wanted to show you this or showcase this on the podcast today because this is actually really interesting, really fun. We're going to have a little dive through this. Of course, you can check it out yourself if you head over to Roland.com. A little bit light on for the news this week. Actually, what I did want to say is that usually at this time of year, if you remember, not that long ago, before this pandemic, before, I guess you could say things didn't go as planned i had a different idiom there for you guys but anyway i digress uh we had a show called nam which was in anaheim california january start of the year and all the big music gear music tech companies and just music gear companies would you know, reveal their new equipment, new gear, new hardware, even new software would be dropped at NAM, and NAM ceases to be happening anymore at this time of year. And I feel like companies are a little bit maybe not confused, but maybe not sure when to drop new hardware and new software. We are getting hints of new equipment and software coming from various companies. But it is a little bit sad that Nam is no longer with us. There is Believe in Music, which is not the same thing, but it's a pretty cool initiative because it's encouraging musicians to sort of learn and connect. And you should check out Believe in Music if you want to if you want to know more about that. Sort of sprung up from Nam ceasing to exist at this time of year. But I do know that Nam, I think, is for this year at least. I think is being moved to when Summer Nam is, uh, where they have that in Nashville, I believe, which is later in the summer time, so uh, winter time for Australia, summertime for the US. Uh, so Nam, I think, will happen, but it's just later in the year. And the reason why I'm mentioning Nam so much is, of course, because it is at this time of year, but I'm just letting you know there's not as much news as what we would normally have at the start of the year. But anyway, that, does, that doesn't matter because we've got this cool thing here from Roland. They're celebrating 50 years, and I want to. I wanted to have a little scroll through the website here and talk about it here on the podcast because it's really interesting. This and, and I think what's the most interesting for me is probably the more recent from the 2000s onwards because that's the stuff I can actually remember. Even we go back to like 2000s, Emlyn in the Mix was not around. I mean, I was into gear, but I was not Emlyn in the Mixing it, if you know what I mean. Anyway, if we're looking here, I'm just looking at the website here. So we're looking at the 1970s, so it's 50 years of Roland and this this little website little i don't know big website you want to call it it's they've done a fantastic job so you can see here 
It started in 1972, and you can see the gear that got released. I'm not going to read every single piece of gear here on the podcast, but I'm just going to scroll through, and we're going to just see things that sort of came out which are quite special. So you got 1974, the Space Echo RE201, which is still, to this day, a very popular reverb unit still used and still highly sought after vintage reverb unit so the space echo sorry it's echo delay uh, quickly became the tape echo of choice for musicians on the road and in the studio it's rich and organic sound was a source of inspiration and creativity and it's been heard on literally thousands of popular records since its introduction and it wasn't always used for straight echo effects either by manipulating tape speed and intensity while signal was present you could coax a space echo into oscillating and pitch shift for some unreal sound effects that's uh if you ever heard like those when the echo sort of like goes (laughs) that's a really bad example but uh the tape echo has a very specific sound. You would have most definitely heard it on many records. And again, this thing has been emulated to the hill. Like, to this day, there are people still trying to get the sound of the Space Echo by Roland. Just one of the most famous sounds. Yeah, I'm not going to try and attempt to do it again with my mouth there. But uh, you get the idea. Hopefully you get the idea. I wish I had a sound sample here for you that on that. Right, we keep scrolling through. So a lot was happening, obviously, with Roland, uh, even f- since their launch. You know, we can see from even 1972, there's been at least a few products up to 1975. You got a jazz chorus guitar amp there. Then you've got this thing. This is the stuff I'm interested. This is the stuff I'm interested on Emily Mix. Look, I'm not gonna lie. Talk about the things I like. System 700 modular synthesizer was Japan's first large-scale modular synth system. A complete collection could easily take up an entire room. So this is their system system 700, much like the current day Eurorack systems which you can get now obviously Eurorack is a lot more compatible with working with each other this was a specific you know rack system and we scroll down it's really cool it shows you the albums where the music or these particular you know technologies were used from Roland now what's this MC8 micro composer this looks pretty cool so Roland's first micro-composer-based music sequencer was a history-making component in the electronic music genre. What year was this? So if we go back, we can see the year. So this is 77. Looks pretty cool. Designed to offer precise control and storage for modular synthesizers, it could even be used to control lighting during live performances. Early users included Yellow Magic Orchestra. I have no idea who that band is. I know there was ELO. Is that them? yellow magic orchestra no it's different anyway that sounds pretty cool and it had the ability to control lighting that's that's nice looks like boss launched uh now boss is a a sub uh trade from roland so boss is roland owns boss if you didn't know anyway boss launched the iconic compact series with the od1 overdrive phaser and spectrum pedals Uh, ph1 sp1 since then the colorful lineup has been adopted by generations of musicians with over 130 models produced to date and over 17 million units sold boss pedals are used by players of all levels from famous touring pros to bedroom hobbyists so you can see there i mean boss pedals are used to this day and i'm sure they've got newer models that have come out since then 
Um, one thing I forgot to mention, I just dove straight into this Roland 50 years thing, but we're going to have a little bit of fun with a brand new plugin today. And if you follow me on YouTube, you probably would have seen it already. I did a bit of a failed attempt, but I'm going to try and do a better attempt today. It is, uh, of course, Isotope, Isotope's latest beta plugin actually as part of the isotope labs series uh, i want to show you this plugin it's really fun if you haven't seen the youtube video then you're gonna really enjoy it at the end of the podcast here all right so what else do we have here coming up 1978 uh comp comparism okay cool so i was starting to get into the mc territory here so the world's first microprocessor based rhythm machine here we go and the first that enabled users to program and store their own drum patterns with its analog sound source and programmable nature, the CR78 laid the foundation for the TR808, there you go, a few years later and appeared on a variety of hit records at the time. So they were, they were experimenting with these rhythm computers as early as 1978. Now, I'm wearing my Roland jumper today to, of course, celebrate this 50 years and you can see the albums this is used on here you got phil collins blondie gary newman and bunch more there the jupiter 4 roland's first polysynth came out what year is this this we're still in 78 here roland's first polyphonic analog synthesizer for voices has been heavily emulated in software form of late the four vco sound in unison mode is superb and it also has built-in user sound memory function and then we've got a bunch of albums that was used. I can't play any of these back, of course, for copyright. But you've got Duran Duran, Human League, employing uh, the Jupiter 4 there. Oh, you had the SHO 9 single oscillator monosynth came out. This is still 78. Wow, they were busy in 78. ProMars, Cube 40 guitar amp, System 100M. Okay, so now we're in 79. System 100M came out. You had the VP330. They were really going heavy in the synthesis or synthesizers this time of year. I suppose that was sort of like the big, the start of, you know, like Silicon Valley was about to take off. You got Apple computers just around the corner. And, you know, the nerds, I guess you could call them of the time, really playing with either sound design or microprocessors, microchips, that sort of thing. And it was a, it would have been a really exciting time, actually, to be involved in electronics and because you're really discovering and creating new things. I mean, these days, I don't know how you could discover and create new things. It feels like almost everything's been done. But this would have been, and you can see they've gone heavily into synthesizers because you were either doing, you know, you're working on sound or you were doing uh, computers. And, you know, Roland obviously been a music company working on sound here, building a bunch of synthesizers. I haven't seen this thing here before, which is the SDD 320 Analog Stereo Chorus. This is 1979, but by the way. So also known as the Dimension D, this stereo chorus processor became highly sought after thanks to its classic vintage tone with incredible spatialization and modulation capabilities. I mean, this 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 is where it all kicked off. It really excites me. I love that Roland's put this page together with your 50 years. We can scroll up here. Let's have a quick look at 1980. I know I said I wasn't going to read each individual thing, and I'm not but there is a lot here and you can see the page takes a little while to load uh but it's really well done i was even looking just before the podcast I was looking at the the newer stuff so here we're looking at the 1980s and of course you've got the famous very famous tr808 drum machine which was released in 1980 actually that was earlier than i thought i thought it was 
early 80s, not 1980. I thought it was more like 83 or 82. So here we go. It says it's hard to believe that a drum machine from 1980 will still be celebrate, would still be celebrated today by lovers of culture, music, and design. But thanks to the forward-thinking producers and enthusiastic club goers, the TR-808 has truly endured becoming a staple sound in hip-hop and its many subgenres, even going so far as to get regularly name-checked in lyrics. That is true. And you can see a bunch of artists here that have used the... 1980 TR-808 drum machine, such as Beastie Boys, Usher. Obviously, these Beastie Boys and Usher are not really 1980. Well, Beastie Boys were in the 80s. Not so. I don't think Usher. You got Whitney Houston and Marvin Gaye here. And you got the 808 story. You can scroll down. Okay, then you have the Jupiter 8. That is also a very famous analog synthesizer. Polysynth coming out in 1981. So the Jupiter 8 is an eight-voice polyphonic analog subtractive synthesizer as Roland's flagship's polysynth. That's true. It was renowned for its rich analog voices capable of producing lush pads and other worldly leads. Its diversive sonic range dedicated controllers for each sound, parameter, and advanced keyboard made it a favorite with the pop stars. And stadium filters of the time stadium fillers of the time sorry duran duran you've got talk talk queen michael jackson all employing the jupiter 8 analog polysynth oh you had wow 1980 was really really made rolling like all these names these are big heavy hitters you had the tb303 bass monosynth this thing became the squelchy acid techno sound so the TV303 is a machine like no other with an unmistakable sonic signature brimming with warmth, energy, and character. The iconic silver box defined the acid house movement of the late 1980s. See what I say? Widely misunderstood when launched in 1981, the true revolution began several years later with electronic music producers rediscovering the quirky box, unleashing the hypnotic liquid sound that captivated the generation. That's right, I don't mention it in this little story here, but when they originally, the original idea behind the bass monosynth was to accompany drummers and bands to have an electronic bass machine and be used as just like a standard pop bass machine. And what they found, I think it had a resonance so it had a filter cut off with resonance maybe which is kind of unusual i don't know if that was a new thing i could be totally wrong on the resonance filter but anyway somehow they worked out i wish i had one in here because they're just a classic amazing monosynth bass they managed to make it it, it, it did make this quirky as i say quirky and high pitch sort of sound and probably most notably the Josh Wink High State of Consciousness song is probably, for me at least anyway, is when I heard that TB303 sound for the first time. If you haven't heard High State of Consciousness by... Is it is it Josh Wink? I think it's Josh Wink. If you haven't heard that track, you got to listen to that. That, I mean, obviously the TB303 is front and centre in that song. It's got that chirpy, squeechy bass. And it's, actually, it's a banging track, even to this day. I love that track. But, uh, yeah wow they have literally heavy hitters in the 80s tr606 they had the dramatic juno 6 wow juno 6 is also a very even popular synthesis so you cannot find one for under a few thousand dollars now it's very expensive and a lot of them the the chips get detuned and they're sort of hard to maintain but anyway this is so we're only in 1981 
look, as I say, you got to check this website out for you. I want you guys to discover this for yourself. Uh, I'm just going to read some of the bigger ones here that are exciting. So, TL99 came out in 1983. Within the realms of house and techno, it's almost certain that the TL99 has powered more tracks and live performances than any other drum machine. The 99 is for everyone who loves dance music, whether you're at the open air festival, underground club, or in the depths of the studio cooking up the sounds of tomorrow. And you got artists like Aphex Twin, Daft Punk, Jork, 808 State. Anyway, you get the idea. We just go on and on with incredible, incredible heavy hitters, even the 80s. I want to just quickly jump over to the 90s now. I'm not going to read everything, as I said. So here's the 90s. Some things that interest me, like I've never seen this S770 digital sampler. The Rackmount S770 supported 16-bit stereo sampling, which would have been pretty good in 1990. That, ah up to 48 kilohertz too which is very impressive for a polished and crisp sound users could adjust the sound via the tvf and tva time variant amplifier and the s770 and its lower price cousin the s750 released in 1991 are renowned for their warm sonic presence and are still valued today i've not heard of that in fact that it's interesting they're using a little color screen here with the sampler Looks like the loop samplers came out here too as well. The groundbreaking high-end system created a 3D sound space on a regular stereo device. A standard RSS system comprised four hefty units, a pair of 2U TU rack ADA8024 analog digital analog converters, a 2U rack mount, sound space processor and sound space controller with eight rotary dials for moving the sound in real time larger systems could link up 16 processors and the technology would eventually be heard in some of roland's more mainstream products not entirely sure what that is but if we move along here to 1991 this one here heavily emulated again amazing sound synthesizer jd800 synthesizer released in 1991 you got Sasha here. Man, do you remember Sasha? Do you guys even... I don't know if my listen, how old my listeners are, but you had Sasha. This is the era of, you know, going into techno and trance. Just some cool products. V drum. It looks like the drum, compact drum system came out in 92. The world's first complete MIDI drum kits. I had no idea. 1992. Built around the TD7 sound module. With a fam- familiar drum shape and sleek design, the pads allowed easier placement, larger playing surface, and improved triggering sensitivity at lower velocities. So that's the compact drum system. Came out in 1992. There's just so much cool stuff here. And here's some of the amazing artists from the 90s. Savage Garden. You know, shout-outs, Brisbane, Australia. That's where those boys are from. Depeche Mode, Tame Impala. They're also Australian as well. That's not 90s though. Tame Impala's a bit newer. Britney Spears, of course, very 90s. Look at this thing that had video, video coon desktop video. What? Only released in Japan. Okay, makes sense. Roland's first video-related products allowed users to perform sophisticated video editing on their PCs. Very nice. Very nice indeed very 90s okay so this is when i sort of became familiar with roland 1996 the mc303 groove box damn was that 96 i was 95 i thought it was actually i thought the mc303 was earlier but i remember these these things were so cool no 96 kind of makes sense so roland's first entry into the club and dj scene the mc303 quickly became a hit in the dance scene 
giving would be producers everything they needed to start working on their ideas. It was a self-contained unit that combined a micro keyboard, classic roll and sounds, drums, effects, and sequencing brought together in an intuitive front panel. The Magician and his MC303 when he was young. The Magician. Okay. Don't know who that is. Moving right along. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, VSA80, JP8000. I'm, I'm terrible. I don't know some of these artists. I should know better. I DJ. I should know some of these artists, but I don't. 1997. Wow, look at that. The TD10K V drums. I hope this is not a boring part. I, I think it... I should be an interesting podcast. Anyway, this one here, i got to mention this. 98, because I remember I really wanted one of these. This is when I was just really starting. Emlyn was a, Emlyn in the mix was the little Emlyn in the mix. Now he's getting bigger. And I remember 1998 quite well. The MC505 Groovebox, I really wanted one, but I remember I could not afford one. The MC505 Groovebox, built upon the MC303's reputation as a self-contained dance music powerhouse offering you sound more control. The revolutionary D-beam, I remember that. You put your hand up high and then bring it down and it sort of went, depending on, you know, <laughs> change the expression or whatever. Offering you sounds more control, the revolutionary D-beam, light sensing control, and a mega mix function for real-time live pattern mixing. I mean, I don't know what I would have done with that thing. I probably would have sold it, which I would have regretted to this day, so I'm kind of glad I didn't get it. But that that could be a highly sought after right now. I've never sort of went out to look for any, but I'm sure they're probably some of this vintage stuff. Anyway, so it goes through to 1990s, and it's really interesting, even the 2000s. Let's just jump straight through, because I'll let you guys explore this yourselves. Uh, we're not going to check out 2000s and 2010s. Let's look at 2020s, though, because even in 2020s, we jump here to present time, and we can see, you know, looks like quite a lot's actually happened even just in the last two years. So you've got Xenology... Uh, software, which is Xenology, embodies nearly 50 years of synthesized research and development. Its roots go back to the dawn of synthesis. Its future will shape your relationship with sound. Uh, I remember we spoke about this on the podcast, FPX, F1 Facet, Concept Grand Piano. I don't know if that's in production or not. It was a real trippy-looking, futuristic-looking piano. They've released the Tyco 1 electronic Tyco percussion. We only spoke about this last week, the Aerophone Pro A30 digital wind instrument. I mean, look. We're not sponsored by Roland here on the podcast. Whoa, look at that picture. One of the drummers from uh, Slipknot here. Or the drummer from Slipknot, sorry. Look, we're not sponsored by Roland. I just talk about Roland because I love Roland. Check this out, 2021. Like This feels like ages ago now, 2021. Verslab MV1. We spoke about that. We did try to get one here on Emlyn Mix. Roland, sadly, did not reach out for that. Zen Tracker, I've spoken about that. It's all been mentioned here. Acoustic, oh, you got V-Drum Acoustic Design Series. Electronic drum kits. This is the top of the line V-Drum Acoustic Design Kit featuring digital snare, ride, and hi-hat pads that bring ultra detailed playability to the three most nuanced pieces in the kit. The next generation TD50X module provides unmatched tone, feel, and response, coupled with deep editing tools to fully personalize your sound and pro connectivity to take up, take on any playing situation. That's a nice looking drum kit. In fact, if if I'm not mistaken, this it does look like a traditional drum kit, but if I'm not mistaken, this is supposed to feel like a real drum kit because I know that there is a quite a difference from an electronic drum, playing with electronic drums and playing with an acoustic drum. I haven't actually seen that. 
You got the Bose Eurus GS guitar, electronic guitar, and then you got a video switcher thing here. And new gear and new ideas. Future is always under construction. Anyway, check that out. Roland celebrating 50 years. They've done a brilliant job here creating this website and creating all the amazing information here. All right, let's move along to our next piece of news. And that is, of course, coming to us from actually music. This is coming to us from musictech.com, but it's not about music tech. It's actually about Sennheiser dropping their new HD 400 Pro headphones. Now, we rarely talk about headphones on the podcast, but I thought it was worth mentioning and just bringing to your guys' attention <laughs> this these headphones. I'm actually using the Sennheiser's. I don't have the HD 400 Actually, these are really nice. Sennheiser's, the reason why I wanted to mention these two is because I love Sennheiser's. They, they're sort of like headphones you can wear all day and they don't wear or give you fatigue. Like the sound is not colored. It's not compressed. It's just a very neutral. And some. to be honest, I forget I'm wearing these headphones. And these are apparently these, these particular headphones I didn't notice because I got these super cheap off a friend who was just flogging or just wanted to get rid of him. He was moving house or something. And I saw him, I was like, yeah, cool, cool, I'll get him. And then I remember I was pretty bad. Like I didn't pay him for a little while and all sorts of stuff. But um, I paid him. But, <laughs> you know, I was a bit lazy with it. And I didn't really think much. I didn't know about these particular Sennheisers. These are the, I think they're the HD 598 or something. They're like uh, got the wood maple and sort of cream color i don't really like the 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 aesthetic but apparently there's a highly sought after by audiophile uh, for their for not only for their aesthetic but their quality and sound and they are pretty nice very comfortable very very comfortable like a very soft velvety sort of ear closed back but it's um they're not noise cancellating uh, cancellation which is good so you can sort of hear what's going on in your environment anyway we're not talking about those but the reason why I want to talk about Sennheiser is of course I know that they are good headphones and Music Tech's giving them a 9 out of 10 and I'll just read a little bit, bit back here from what Music Tech has to say about headphones in general so with more people than ever producing on laptops or mobile devices, a reliable pair of headphones is vital if you want to take full advantage of your setup. You may well have a solid pair of speakers, but you'll need headphones for mic recording, checking mixes, working at night, and podcasting, and working in different locations or on the move. As impressive as wireless headphones have become, those relying on Bluetooth have too much latency to be useful for live recording and throw in the fact that they also compress audio before sending it to your phones it is evident that wired models still rule the roost for studio and recording use so the sennheiser hd 400 pros are lightweight at 240 grams but feel well built with few moving parts so they don't flap around as some models can and the headband is adjustable and the ear cups can flex inwards slightly to suit the shape of your head these are very comfortable phones with the circumular i can't even say that word <laughs> yeah cups padded in velour i think this is what this has and headband sporting soft padding i think this has that too when worn they grip your head firmly but comfortably and are excellent for long sessions neither fatiguing nor overheating your ears that is very true they sort of have like they have like a, I don't know, it's like there is circulation of air that comes through as well. 
Not air conditioning or something, but anyway, check them out. Sana has uh, just dropped them, HD 400. I'm going to check those out, Pro Studio headphones. I prefer this color too. Like if I was going to get a new pair of headphones, I definitely would like to have a listen to these. If they're anything like the HD 598, which I'm already wearing, I would be certainly interested in checking those out. All right, now let's have a look here. This one isn't on a website. I just screenshotted this. It's from my email. Softube, this is a heads up. If you love Softube, we love Softube on the channel. No stranger to the podcast or channel. They have something filthy on the way coming January 25. So if you're listening to this podcast in the future, it's already past January 25. That filthy thing is in your universe right now. That filthy thing is right now, probably in your house, probably in the corner of your bedroom. It's probably watching you. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, not enough coffee, maybe. Maybe not enough. I haven't had enough. Anyway, let me just have a quick sip. Yeah, January 25th is something new. What do you guys think it is? Do you think it's... Do you think it's software? Do you think it's hardware? Again, you futurists out there, you already know what it is, so don't give me that. But if you listen to this podcast today like you guys normally do, especially those ones who are keen to get a bit of Emlyn in the mix in their life, you're going to be wondering what that is. So mark your calendars. That's all I have, guys, from Softube. Not giving me much. Another thing here I want to do on the podcast is the poll. So I ask you guys, I do, I do do, I'll try and do this every week on the podcast. I did do a poll pretty much every week. This one was interesting. So I asked, you have to give up one of these mixing tools forever. Which one is it? And our options were compressor, EQ, reverb, or delay. Now this, wow, I am I'm a little bit, to be honest, I'm yeah, I'm shocked. So 36% of you chose you'd give up the compressor forever. No compressor. I just, I can't get my head around that. I don't think I could do that. Then coming in second was the EQ. EQ I could understand. It would be hard, but I could understand if you could maybe live without an EQ. Number three was delay. Now, again, this is probably my first choice. You could get away with delay. Oh, I love delay, but you could live without delay because reverb is there. And then reverb. Reverb, funnily enough, is if you look at this poll, because this is like a negative question, it looks like reverb wins, basically. Reverb number four. Only 14% of you chose reverb that you'd get rid of reverb, which makes it, because it's a negative poll, reverb is actually the thing that, all of you want in your life and don't want to ever go away and the majority of you don't want compressors very interesting okay my choice is probably delay i think i can get rid of delay yeah i love a bit of reverb need eq for shaping and i just need compression i don't know how you could live without compression i this shocks me i don't know if this you guys are trolling me but anyway we'll do a poll every week and we'll check your answers here on the podcast all right let's move along to we're going to do something silly now we're going to play with now for those of you who don't know what this is this is called the morph one we're jumping over the ableton live here if you're watching on youtube you'll see i'm straight in front of ableton live and you can see the little gui the gui here for morph one so what is morph one you ask so this is a beta piece of software from isotope so this is not 
publicly released or anything like that. Although it is, if you are part of the Isotope, Isotope Pro membership, which is an ongoing monthly subscription, you do have access to this via a thing called Isotope Labs. And where Isotope Labs is where Isotope are going to sort of release new beta sort of software for you guys to test out and have a play with. And Morph 1 happens to be, I think it's the first product in their lineup on Isotope Labs where you can play with some beta software. Now, keeping in mind that it is beta, it is in testing zone. There are quite a bit of things and nuances and things that need improvement. But overall, it's, it is an impressive piece of software and the concept of the software is really good. Now, I did a video on this the other day and I played with it. And one of the comments was pretty interesting in, in that video where one of the viewers actually said, if you were to pitch correct what you're inputting, because you're using your mouth, right, to make the instruments or you know make the music with your mouth basically which the whole idea i love the concept it's like you have the idea in your head and you're just getting it out into audio form but you know i'm not a i there are certain particular ways that instruments are played like bass you know you can do finger slap you, there's all different ways you can play and saxophone i'm sure there's a certain way that you play saxophones to get the expression and that sort of thing so i don't know with my mouth how to get those expressions so that's where morph one i found it a little bit difficult getting these instruments to sound realistic but again i love the concept and i could definitely see a place for this in music technology and having fun let me show you guys how this actually works so i've got morph one ba i found that the bass instrument is probably one of the best i got a little drum on here so i'm gonna just i'm gonna make a little groove here and you're gonna hear me singing this little groove. So we've got a drum beat going. All right, cool. So it's a very simple four to the floor rock beat. All right, I'm recording in now. You can see my voice going in. All right, here we go. I'm trying to do a bass line. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. So I, I don't know. I don't, I did the vowel bum. I, I bum. <laughs> I, I'm hoping. That gives the bass sort of sound, but let's just have a listen. I mean, it's not bad. Bar some of my timing, it's not bad. I mean, we can obviously, good thing about Ableton is you can do a bit of time stretching, get this, you can get these things right on. If we want it to be like really finicky, uh, I don't mind a bit of the human feel, but I guess I'm going for a more you know, computer thing. Want to get that sounding really good. Let's have a listen back. I want to put on complex pro, sorry. That's pretty cool. Now you got other instruments as well. And the other instruments, again, this is where I don't want to make a fool of myself. I think the video I made during the week I, yeah, I was really experimenting. I was really having a lot of fun, obviously. And it doesn't sound the greatest because some of those sounds like the guitar. Let's, I'll show you. Let's jump over to guitar here and let's have a listen. See? You get some weird sort of trippy sort of pitch bending and stuff with the guitar. And that's because that's not how the guitar would be played. So we jump back to bass. It actually sounds really good. 
Maybe we could try like a shaku or something because you got all these different instruments. Let me show you the instruments you got here. So we jump across here. <laughs> so you get those weird. There's guitar. There's violin. Actually, the sound for like the sounds for these instruments are actually pretty good. It's just obviously the expression and the way you play it but i found it for bass is really 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 fun and really good and look again it is beta it is just a new concept i know there is another piece of software out there i've forgotten the name of it uh i've forgotten it starts with i think it's vocal something anyway that plugin is that particular plugin is a similar concept where you're using your, you know, voice to make instruments and that sort of thing. I'm, I'm, yeah, well, let's attempt. Uh, and again, I'm going to apologize in advance if it sounds terrible. Let's attempt putting some guitar on the top of this. And I can't guarantee it's going to sound any good because, again, I don't know how to get the expressiveness of a guitar with my voice. But look, we're here. We're here. We're doing it. Might as well have some fun, hey? Make sure we've got my right input on. All right. Let's see what we can do. Bam, bam, bam. All right, we'll try. So we'll be like... So, again, me just trying to emulate the guitar sound is going to obviously help with that sound, but... I think this is where you probably need a bit of pitch correction as well. This is where pitch correction would help. And as that viewer said in that video of mine that I did, I think that's where it would help. But let's just, we're not going to do pitch correction for this. We're just showing you quickly. So I've tried to, what I think, emulate how guitar's expressiveness would sound. Again, I apologize if this sounds terrible. It is quite possible. Let's have a listen to it. So we need to go up an octave. It's a bit low. <laughs> I'm sorry. It sounds like a kazoo. I don't know what to say. It really, it's it's actually hilarious. And and let's not be harsh on Isotope here because it's not Isotope's fault. They are literally. This is a concept. It's total experimental plugin. Actually, that when I held that note, it kind of sounded realistic. I tried an octave down. bad not bad but anyway you get the idea i just wanted to show you it's a lot of fun <laughs> and yeah that sounds like a kazoo, a kazoo to me but you know what let me just show you quickly what is included uh we jump over here and if we scroll down we can have a look at what's included in this is a part of the isotope pro membership as i was saying before and what's included is you get rx pro for for music which is you get a crystal clear sound for every track in your mix remove unwanted noise and repair damaged audio fast and with ease you get ozone pro which is fantastic i think i was using ozone since ozone 4 uh, you get your music ready for streaming achieve a colorful dynamic and competitive master for your songs in any genre neutron pro which is sort of like a mixing tool assistant Nectar Pro, which is for vocals. Again, Neoverb Pro, which is a reverb. Vocal Synth Pro, which is creative sort of vocal effects. Tonal Balance Control Pro, Insight Pro. Now, tonal, actually, Tonal Balance Control Pro is overcome your listening environment, get a balanced mix that translates to your audience. 
reference genre targets or your own audio files against your mix. That's pretty cool. Insight Pro, I love Insight Pro. It lets you visualize your mix. You can look right into it, see where the EQ is going, stereo mix, so forth. And a bunch of other things here. It also includes Melodome 5 Essential. Look, I know in the past I haven't condoned getting subscriptions. Not that I'm against subscriptions. If that's not your thing, then that's fine. But I think if as long as it's something that you're going to use, then I cannot see a problem with, with getting a subscription, especially something of this caliber. And you would definitely use all these mixing tools. And it is so much cheaper than buying each individual plugin or even getting bundles and then upgrading. I think this is a much cheaper way to go. I think my thing stance on subscriptions is more along the line of you know having too many subscriptions or when you have heaps of subscriptions and you're not managing them or you're not even using the software i just think that's when it's a real waste but if it's something that you can you know go head first i think the subscription is is a very good thing you also get this uh included in the isotope pro membership you also get a bunch of tutorial videos from really amazing artists and and teachers here that can show you how to use your plugins as well. Anyway, worth checking out as part of that if you're interested in what I just showed you there with Isotope Labs and Morph One. Anyway, guys, that's going to have to do it for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it today. And we'll be back next week with episode four for season three. Hope this has inspired you in some way to check out some cool gear and just read about music technology, where it came from, just understanding where you know, I guess music and audio gear has sort of started and where it is going. It is, it's really exciting. I love telling you guys these stories. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I really enjoy doing also that poll with you guys. And yeah, if you want to reach out, emlininthemix at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, you want to shout me a coffee support link below in this video and also in the podcast description. If you want to leave feedback for this podcast, you've been listening to this podcast now for 103 episodes and you're like, damn, son, damn, you're working hard there, boy. I want to give you some feedback. Then you do. (laughs) Give me the feedback, boy. Uh, If you're still watching this or you're listening to this podcast, damn, son, how did you make it this far? No, I'm just kidding. You made it this far. You deserve a cookie of some kind. I don't know, chocolate chip cookie, sugar free. Let's keep it anti, uh, let's keep it diabetic. (laughs) Wow, I am super actively hyper for you guys. All right, I'm out of here. This is is going nowhere. You guys rock. Thank you so much. Peace out. Hey. Thanks for listening to the Emlyn In The Mix podcast. Here, you will find all the latest in music technology, software and hardware, interviews and more. Also, don't forget to check out the Emlyn In The Mix YouTube channel today. Till next time, keep it real.